Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and on today's podcast, I've got a really exciting interview for you. I'm talking with a good friend of mine, um, and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this because he's been on a journey that very few business owners get to go down. Uh, my guest today is John Chichester. John is a, uh, a financial advisor in financial services. He's worked on Wall Street. Uh, he left Wall Street and then went uh, out and started his own firm. And he, uh, he's been really through the entire cycle uh, that a business owner hopes to go through um, and, uh, and recently has sold his firm. And we're going to talk a little bit about that process in the interview today. And I, I really think if you ever have hoped to sell your business. This is going to be an interview you're going to want to listen to all the way through because John's experience is really, really unique. And we're going to highlight some of the, the things that he's gone through that you'll, you'll be able to learn from. Um, and uh, so I, I want to welcome uh, John to the podcast. Uh, he has been, uh, as I said, in financial services for over 25 years. He consults with business owners and individuals, and he actually takes business owners through the process that he's recently been through. Um, and he's going to be able to describe that to you as well. Uh, and so, John, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. So, John, I know we just kind of briefly touched on uh, your background. I'd love for you to give everybody a little bit of context before we really dive into things so that they kind of understand what got you to this point in business. Sure. So um, I initially, when I came out of college, I worked for Pricewaterhouse in New York City. So I worked uh, in audit. I was strictly financial services. So I audited banks and broker dealers and mutual funds and offshore mutual funds. And after a couple of years of doing that, I had an opportunity to move to Wall Street. So I ended up working for Lehman Brothers, which unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, but I basically calculated uh, the P&L for the main financing desk at Lehman, which was very interesting because I got to know Wall Street in a different perspective because, you know, everybody knows Wall Street from a stock perspective, but this is really from bonds and bonds borrowed. So it was a completely different situation than most people have when they are, are, are thinking or speaking about Wall Street. Um, I then worked for a company called uh, Salomon Brothers Asset Management, and I worked very closely with all of our offshore mutual funds and hedge funds. And as a result of that, I had an opportunity to move outside the country. So I actually lived in Curacao for a couple of years and I worked for a Dutch bank and we did all the accounting and administration work for offshore mutual funds and hedge funds. So I've actually sat on three different sides of that business. I've been on the audit side, the investment management side and the third party administration side. The whole idea for me to go down to Curacao was to go down there for three years, learn the back office and then go back to New York and then head up their New York, New York office. Well, after two years of being down there, they offered me the opportunity to go back to New York and I didn't want to take it because it was the first time I had lived outside the Northeast my whole life. <laughs> and I kind of realized there was life outside of New York. So uh, my wife and I actually decided to move to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is not where my wife was born. It wasn't where obviously where I was born. It wasn't even the top 100 places I thought I'd ever live. But we ended up moving there because my in-laws had moved there. And so I moved there pretty much sight unseen, um, didn't have a job, didn't know what I was going to do, found out I was overqualified for every job I was interviewing for. I was being offered about one third what I was used to making, and I didn't think either of those situations was going to work 
long term for me, especially if I wanted to create a new life in Phoenix. So while I was in Curacao, I had done quite a bit of research on the certified financial planner designation. So being a CPA and being uh, having all that Wall Street and investment experience, I thought, wow, this would be really cool if I could do this certified financial planner thing. But it, the opportunity never really afforded itself until I went to Phoenix. Well, so I get there find out that uh, I'm not really going to find a good job. So I thought, well, why don't I open up a, a business based on word of mouth? And the only person I know is uh, my in-laws. And you're going to have to <laughs> bear with me for one second here. So, yeah, the opportunity never really afforded itself. I'm going to open up this business based on word of mouth. And the only people I know are my in-laws. So that's what I did. And it interesting because it was the first time in my life that I actually had to kill what I eat. I wasn't necessarily getting a sack anymore. So essentially, over the past 17 years, I built a business, uh, a fairly successful business. And what ended up happening out of that situation is that uh, throughout my course of working with uh, other advisors and, and other, other um, uh, people that are going to be working with the same type of client that I would be working with, um, I got introduced to a trust company and the trust company and I were basically doing some joint marketing work uh, around the 401k space. Uh, I worked with a lot of business owners and in doing so, we got to be pretty well versed in the whole qualified plan arena. And so we were kind of doing some joint marketing together. And as a result of that, um, the president of the company uh, asked me to... Uh, go to a lunch with two of the board of directors. And at that lunch, she said, John, we haven't talked about this, but would you consider uh, joining our group? And I said, you're right. We haven't talked about that, but let's <laughs> let's have a conversation about it. And fast forward about 18 months and and um, I ended up selling my business to this larger trust company. Now, um I love the story. You and I have talked about this uh, on a number of occasions and it's, it's unique in a lot of ways. And I want to dive in into that as we get further into the interview, but it's, it's unique in, in two ways in particular. Number one, very few businesses actually sell, particularly professional businesses. And those that do even more rarely do they sell to an outside entity. And most of the time it's, you're grooming someone to kind of come up from within and have an internal sale. Um, because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, in most professional services businesses, there's no real sellable equity. There's a book of business there, but it's tied to the person who's the face, right? right. And so, you know, unless you're, you're bringing somebody up who can then become the face of the business, it's really hard to do a sale. So uh, the fact that you've pulled that off, I think, is, um, is interesting and it's worth studying a little bit as we go further through. But I know that this didn't happen. It wasn't like you had that lunch and three days later you had a big check, right? It wasn't that right. easy, was it? No. You've been, doing this for, you've been doing this for a long time. You built up a business successful enough to be sold. That probably wasn't easy either. What are some of the things that over the years you've pulled from to just keep going when things get difficult to keep, you know, to keep you unstoppable? So what was very interesting about this was that, um, so I flip-flop back and forth. Do I really want to sell? Do I not want to sell? What are the pros and cons of selling? 
uh, what are the pros and cons of not selling? And I think the biggest thing for me was I, I experienced every emotion that you can possibly experience during this whole process. Um, it was a process that took, as I said, 18 months, 18 months of conversations, negotiations, um, feeling, like it wasn't going to happen. And then do I really want this to happen? And yes, I want this to happen. And yes, it's going to happen. And so, you know, running the running the whole gamut there. And I think for me, the biggest thing that was important was knowing that even if this did not happen, I had a really successful business that I could fall back on. So it wasn't a situation where I was basically putting all my eggs in one basket. I was going through this as if this was going to happen and that this was going to happen successfully. But the biggest thing that I learned is that it does take time and it takes time because there's a lot of information that needs to be that you need to go through. And I think the biggest thing for me was that um, one of the, the the CEO of the company that ended up purchasing me, he was very, very numbers oriented. And it just so happens that I'm also very numbers oriented. So it was really important for me to be able to go toe to toe with him on my numbers and understanding my numbers, because at the end of the day, that's what they're buying. They're buying me, but they're also buying my numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think that your numbers are important, they're very important because ultimately that's what somebody is buying is your numbers. Right. So those numbers have to be accurate. They have to be uh, reflective of what you're doing. And you also have to realize that as a small business owner, a lot of times you have some flexibility of what you can run and what you cannot run through the business. And so you have to be very understanding that the person who's looking at your business is not necessarily interested in the things that you're taking out of the business. So it was kind of a it was an eye opener for me. Um, to know that you just need to get through the process, but more importantly, you need to understand your business. And the more you understand your business, the more you're able to convey what the value of that business is to whomever, whether it's somebody that you're selling to, somebody that you're bringing on as a partner, somebody that you want to uh, hire as a, uh, as a team member or a staff person. So all of that, I think, is really important. So, you know, you have this conversation. And you go through this process now to, to you know, get into the numbers and, and really dive into things. Um, what, what was that like? I mean, for most people, well, let me back up, actually, because there's, I think there's another more important thing. Most people get to this point in their business at the end. They see this as a finish line. Um, I don't know what you're going to do from here. I know you've got a period of time where you're working with the, the business that bought yours. Um, which is typical in, in these situations, but you're, you and I are close to the same age, you know, you're not at the finish line by most measures. And I'm, I'm sure you're thinking I'm not even close. Right. Right. Um, did that come into play in, in any of the conversations, at least from your perspective, as you're analyzing this, I mean, you already mentioned, Hey, I've got this thing to fall back on, but was there any thinking like, okay, I could do this now. And now I've got almost a second career ahead of me. So it's a great question because from my perspective, here's how I thought. So I'm, I'm 49 years old, just to let everybody know. So I'm, I'm in my late forties. 
Um, my children are getting old enough. I have one child in college, one in high school, and one in middle school. So within the next five years, all my kids are going to be either out of the house or in college or in some way, shape, or form. And I, as I explained before, I kind of opened my business up without having this burning desire to be a business owner, right? I opened it up sort of out of necessity more so than anything else. And so for me, I tried to think about what do I want to do over the next 20 years of my life? Where am I going to go? What does that mean? And so the thing that I enjoyed most about my business and being, being a financial advisor, a financial planner was being able to work with clients and running a business takes a lot of time away from being able to do that, working with my clients and working with my staff. So this was an opportunity for me to basically hand off some of those responsibilities as a business owner to somebody else and still get to do all the things that I love to do, which are working with clients, working with my staff, um, educating people, uh, just making a difference in people's lives. And so that was really, really important to me. And so here I was given an opportunity to effectively sell my business, but this was what was kind of unique about my, my deal. So not only am I getting paid for what I built, I'm getting paid to continue to work with my existing clients. I'm also getting paid to grow the business and um, the company actually bought my whole team over. So my team came with me intact. So we're basically in some respects business as usual. Um, but the only difference is, is that there's a different, we're in a different office. Um, we got a different name on the door. I'm not uh, calling the shots per se with respect to the business as a whole. I have some input into what's going on, but I'm, I'm not taking that responsibility on anymore. And quite honestly, the thing that I learned most about this whole situation is that this crushing stress that I had in being a business owner is no longer there. And I didn't even know it was there until it was gone. So while I still work hard and I still put in as much hours, if not more than I was before, the difference is, is that I, when I go home, I go home and I leave whatever it is at the office. Whereas before I would have brought it with me through the whole weekend and through the vacations and through the time off. Whereas now I, I don't have to do that because I just don't have that responsibility anymore. I want to, Come back. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and, and unpack this a little deeper with John, because um, there's so many interesting parts of this. And what I love about it is here you are at this stage of your career, extracting a whole lot of equity out of the business, which most people don't get to do until the end and then creating this future runway for yourself. So we're going to get into that a bit more as we come back. Stay tuned. More with John Chichester. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon, and I'm here with John Chichester. And, and we were talking, John, about uh, some of the details of, of um, how this move has, has kind of come about. And one of the questions I was going to ask you was, well, what happened to your team? Because 
you know, it's it's one thing to say that hey, we're all about the numbers and, and if the numbers work, we're doing it. And, and there is some truth to that. I mean, you take the risk in business and if the numbers work out, there's a, I, I'm a firm believer that there is a number that everyone will happily sell at. Um, however, I also know that for most of us, we really care about our team and what happens to them. And you mentioned before that your team came along. Um, and and how how was that? Did that was that always kind of a given within the process, or was that something that you had to negotiate in? How much did you share with your team, and and uh, were they kind of on board with the whole thing? So I think it's um, again a pretty insightful question. So from the beginning, I wanted to make sure that my team was going to be part of that. So I did negotiate to have the company purchased my company along with my team. So it wasn't just me, it was my team as well. But when we got down to the numbers, there were some situations where um, at one point, one of my team members was not going to be coming over. And so I shared that with that team member and said, you know, you can, uh, here was my personal opinion. My personal opinion was, I believed that he was ultimately going to have a position, but it wasn't set in stone. And so I gave him the option. I said, do you want to try and find another job and I'll help you find another job and then we'll kind of move over or do you want to hang on? And so to make a long story short, he elected to find another job. Well, interestingly enough, we had thought that the process was going to end in about uh, June or July of 2017. It didn't actually end until December of 2017. So it was about six months later. Well, what ended up happening is that because of the all the moving parts, um, a position did come eligible for that person. So we were actually operating for about six months without a person. We were down a person. And coincidentally enough, I did go back to this gentleman in app and said, hey, this position is available. What do you think? And he basically said, no, I'm good. I'm good where I am. But ironically, he took the position of another person that I had that had worked with me for about four years. She ended up going back to school, got married, went back to school. Um, I happened to run into her and was able to convince her to come back and work with us. So when all was said and done, my whole team did come over with me mm -hmm. and it was really important. I wanted to make sure that everybody was a winner in this situation. I was a winner. My family was a winner. My clients were winners. The company that bought me was a winner and my team was a winner because if somebody was going to lose in that situation, I really wasn't interested in doing that because this wasn't a win loss situation for me. This had to be everybody gains from this situation. So that was something that I was very upfront with um, in my negotiations. Now, at the end of the day, if the numbers didn't support that, then the numbers didn't support that. But it just turns out that the numbers did support that. And we were running into some spacing issues in terms of having people all in the same office. And, you know, we were able to work through that as well. So um, but, yeah, that was kind of how that 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 whole situation uh, ended up was I was able to keep my team intact. And that was super important to me. And it was very important to our clients as well. Now, in listening to you, it it's clear you had criteria in mind, but this kind of came out of the blue. So did, had you been thinking about, well, if, if I ever get an offer, here's what has to happen? Or was this something where like, oh, no, I've got an offer. Not, oh, no. Oh, great. I've got an offer. 
But now I need to create a framework for how I'm going to make this really important, probably the most important decision of, of your entrepreneurial career. You know, you and I talked a lot, you know, over the, the ensuing months. And I know that that, that evolved a little bit, but you had very clear criteria. How did you come up with that? So I was not looking to sell my business. I figured, like you said in the beginning, that this would be something towards the end of my career, not with another 20 years left or so. Um, so I felt like it kind of it kind of caught me by surprise. I wasn't looking for a job, so to speak. I wasn't looking to sell my business. But when it became clear that uh, the company wanted me, that's when I started to think, well, what does that mean, wanting me? Because it doesn't. There wasn't just me. It wasn't like I could just you know, close my computer down and, and, and put it in my briefcase and walk over to another office and start another job in, you know, the next day. I mean, I had a whole business. I had um, responsibilities as far as lease leasing went. I had a lot of, a lot of moving parts in this whole situation. So for me, it was sort of like, how can I keep what I built as so, so how, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. How can I, how could I keep what I already had as much intact as possible is I, I think really what I was looking at it. And it was very interesting because I got a lot of information and a lot of, um, a lot of advice on what the price of my business should be. And what is, you know, should it be two or three times multiple? Um, I have a very, very, um, fee-based business. It's not so much commission-based. So there's, uh, you know, it's, I walk in the net each, each year I walk in kind of knowing what my business is going to generate in revenue, um, assuming that no clients leave and so forth. So it doesn't mean that we don't grow, but it's just, we sort of know where we are. So that type of business is worth a lot more than say somebody who's just doing transacting business, commission-based business or whatever. And one is not better or worse than the other. They're just different, right? And um, so for me, some people said, well, here's what your business is worth and here's what it, what it was. And so the interesting thing through this whole transaction, the, the, the whole negotiations is I went in with some very specific things that I thought were fair. And what I had to learn or what I learned most from this whole this whole procedure, this whole transaction, this whole deal was that the other side has what they think is fair as well. And it was a huge learning opportunity for me, a huge learning experience for me, because the other side, the, the, the CEO and the president would come back to me with some things that I hadn't really thought about. And I had never thought about it from that perspective. And I literally had to say, wow, I've never thought about that before. Let me think on that. Let me sleep on that. And so I'd have to really think about what they were saying and then get back to them the next day and say, okay, I've thought about it. You, you make some good points. I agree. I agree. I'm going to have to change my stance. But as many times that that happened for me, it happened for them as well. So it was a learning experience on both sides. And the thing that I appreciated most about this is that all of us got to be who we were as people and as professionals, and we got to talk and, 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 and basically give our perspectives. And yet, while we didn't always agree, 
we still always had the opportunity to listen to one another and to voice our concerns. And at the end of the day, we obviously came to some kind of agreement, but it's a compromise, right? Not everybody is completely happy because, you know, it, you, you're, you're making a deal, right? So there were some things that I actually got that I didn't think I was going to get. And there were some things that I had to give up that I didn't think I was going to have to give up and vice versa on their side. But we all feel very comfortable with what happened and where we are and where we're going. And that was the most important thing to me is everybody feels comfortable and that there wasn't any regrets in anything that we did. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, something I heard back in, in my lobbying days when I would lobby the Florida legislature, uh, that, that the only way you can tell if it's a good bill or not is if nobody's happy. Right? There you go. <laughs> Everybody's happy in your case, um, but it's, I think that's very true. What's, what's really unique about what you just described there, and I've talked to lots of business owners who've been through this process, some successfully, some unsuccessfully where the, the deal didn't go through, and the the thing that I think is unique about what you described there is the candor, the, the candor and and the openness that happened, which tells you that you've got a buyer that really wants to buy you for whatever you're uniquely bringing. Uh, and if they're willing to to listen and consider and understand, then you're actually on the path to, I think, something that is going to work really well long-term for everyone. Um, I've seen it happen more often the other way, where a buyer comes in and they've already predetermined what they think the offer is going to be, and they make the offer, and they're not that interested in really understanding the business. Maybe they've, you know, we, you see this a lot in professional services with sort of the, the regional players that go around and gobble up the little guys a lot of times, where they have their their numbers. They're just they're in the acquisition business, not so much that you know the business of, of that industry. They're they're all about making the uh, you know the, these little acquisitions, and so they know we're going to buy it on X multiple on these terms with this earn out, you know, and so on. And there's really no negotiation, and that generally doesn't work very well. It's really great for them if they are acquiring. A desperate business, you know, the guy who is at the end of his career and sure. doesn't have any other options, right? Sure. sure. Um, where where you found yourself was a really different situation, and I think very fortunate one uh, that can be created. You know, it can be created. You didn't necessarily set out to create it, but you created good relationships. You built a valuable business that was worth being purchased. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. If you've got a business that's actually worth something where somebody else is looking at it going, it'd be really great if we owned that, you know, um, you're setting yourself up for this. And none of that happens by accident. You've worked very hard, particularly over the last couple of years to really build a team and build systems and, and get it to the point where, it, you know, it, it could in a lot of ways manage itself. Um and, and so to me, that that's a, a huge takeaway in all of this is that you, because of what you built, you attracted the right buyer. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing that I think was really important about this that kind of, you know, sort of uh, summarizes this whole situation is that I was going to be successful and had been successful without them. And they had been successful and were going to be continue to be successful without me. But when we 
talked together, we felt that we could be more successful together than we were if we were apart. So it wasn't going to take away anything from me and it wasn't going to take away anything from them if the deal did not go through. Mm -hmm. And I think that was an important thing that I didn't even realize until we were speaking just now is that if the deal didn't work, we were all going to be okay. It wasn't, as you said, a desperate situation for either one of us. We wanted this deal to work. And because we wanted this deal to work, I think that's why we were willing to listen to everybody. Uh, all the parties were willing to listen to what they had to say. And it's so interesting because, you know, I said, I've only been here now about three months since we've, we've inked the deal. And it feels like I've been working with some of these people for two years because I have a two year relationship with some of these people because it's taken us that long to go down this road. So yeah, I've only been sitting at this desk for three months, but it's really been at least 15, eight or, or not, sorry, 15, 18 to, to 24 months in terms of my relationships with some of the people here at this company. So it's very, very, very interesting what you said, because it kind of crystallized everything for me and put it all in one it, 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 very, very clearly for me in what and what had transpired. Now, I have long believed that for most service businesses, the the most viable path to a sale is an internal sale where you you bring someone up you know almost from from early in their career up through the company and and ultimately get them in position to to continue to manage it and buy it um, and if you look kind of across the board that is consistently sort of the most the most practiced and I think the most successful transition in, in professional services um, and you know here you are you're you've done something I think completely unique and different. Um, and you were telling me about the process actually of going through it and trying to trying to navigate this whole thing yourself. And you described it as having to be the quarterback of your own team, you know, yeah. which if you're doing an internal sale, you don't necessarily need that quarterback. But here you are having to negotiate your way through and, and build yourself a team of advisors. What was that like for somebody who is normally working with the business owner who is going through this and you're advising them now, what was it like being on the other side? So it's, it's a really interesting point because I am used to being that quarterback for my business owners and my clients and working with the other advisors. So working with the CPDA and working with the attorney and working with, in my case, I created um, a uh, defined benefit plan to shield all of the proceeds from the sale into a qualified plan so I didn't have to pay taxes. I could jumpstart my retirement assets and so forth. So I had a, a, an ERISA attorney and I had a, a pension administrator and I had all these advisors that were kind of either literally sitting around the table or all on a, on a phone call. And I'm sort of waiting for them to advise me, right? The typical, hey, I'm the client. Why don't you advise me? And I realized that while all of them were really good at what they did, nobody was going to step up and be that quarterback. So I actually had to act as the quarterback for my own plan. And it, it in a way, it was making me laugh a little bit because I've always thought I added some value to my clients and I sort of 
understood that on an intellectual level, but now I actually understand it on an emotional level because I actually had to be my own quarterback. And it worked out fine. And I, as soon as I stepped up and I was able to do that, um, all of my advisors gave me the advice that I needed in order to make good decisions. Um, and so, but, but, but that was the, uh, one of the biggest take- takeaways in this whole situation was that if you don't have somebody to act as that quarterback, you need to find somebody to act as that quarterback. It just so happens that I had 25 plus years of, it, of financial services experience that I kind of learned a thing or two along the way. So I was able to create my own plan. But really, it really boiled down to me asking questions. Well, what if we did this? And how about this? And what would this look like if we had to factor this this variable in or, or that variable in? And, you know, there were some complications with with a lease that I had. And I wasn't sure my my landlord was going to let me out of the lease. And so how was that going to impact things? So how was I going to take con- receipt of this money, constructive receipt of the money in a way so that if the landlord came after me, you know, they wouldn't be able to get at the sale of the business and all this kind of stuff. So there were a lot of complications in there. And really, it just took time to kind of walk through those. Um, but, But again, I had to take that role on. And that was surprising to me. But once I realized what needed to happen, I just stepped up and did it. Now, not every business owner is going to have that ability to do that. So, as I said, you need to find that person that's going to be that quarterback for you that can introduce you. The quarterback doesn't need to know all the answers. They just need to know what questions to ask and to let the other advisors do what they need to do. But basically getting it all summarized on one page, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you were in in a really unique position because you've done this before for others. And so you you knew the questions to ask and how to how to coordinate that team how to lead that, that team of advisors. That's really what, what you need, you know, as a business owner, you need to have done is have somebody that can lead that team of advisors with your interests at heart and ask the right questions to get, you know, knowing your situation, ask the right questions to get the outcome that you want. Um, but most business owners aren't going to have that. Um, I know if I went through the process today, I'd have no idea what the questions would be, you know? Um, and, and for most of us, Going through that process, I mean, having been in those conversations before, um, I, I'll tell you, they are so emotionally charged because there's ego, there's money. I mean, it's like everything that could trip up a human being is in there, right? And yep. um, and and it's sometimes really difficult to see through that. And it can be very, very helpful to have somebody who can grab you and say, no, 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 this is the thing to focus on here. These are the questions to ask both of you and then of the other advisors. And if you can find that person, it it is, I think, a tremendous benefit. And I think that point that you made is probably the most important point of this whole conversation because we're, we're entering a time, I think, unique in history. You're going to see more businesses sold over the next 20 or 30 years than probably have ever been sold in human history with the boomers who all, you know, own businesses going and uh, retiring and doing the next thing in their their lives. And I've talked to, I can tell you, I've talked to more than one boomer business owner and they kind of fall into two camps. One, in one camp, they are stressed because they don't have a buyer and maybe they haven't built the business in a way where it's gonna give the value that they want. It might not be that attractive. And on the other hand, they might be thinking, 
I don't have anybody that I could, you know, viably sell this to, even if it's worth something. Like I haven't groomed the next generation. I've talked to people who are upset because their kids didn't want to come in the business because they thought that was going to be the route. Um, and, and so getting that, uh, that kind of key person, that quarterback on the team, I think is really, really critical. I mean, and even getting them in there to begin talking through these these ideas long before you get to the point of sale, I think is important because it'll change how you build the business. And you can take a business that's not very attractive and in a matter of a couple of years, you can transform it to the point that I think it's worth a lot more. So um, for for those listening, I think that's that's a key, key takeaway. Very cool. So, John, how can people find you if they are looking for that kind of quarterback and they want to talk to you about the process and, and maybe even look at engaging you in in that? If I know you do work with business owners, where would they find you? What's the best place for them to go? So the be- best place to get get me at is so I, I never even mentioned the name of the business, which I think is kind of funny. I was saying, well, the company and this and that. Basically, the company that I work for is a company called Trust Bank. It is one word, capital T, capital B, Trust Bank. They've been in existence since 1912. So it's been in existence for 106 years. Our headquarters are out, are based out of uh, Southern Illinois. It's a, a, a small town called Olney, O-L-N-E-Y. But we have operations here in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I'm located. Um, the best way to get us, uh, our website is www. T is in Tom, B is in boy, A is in apple, Z is in zebra.com. So www.tbaz.com. My email address is john, J O H N, dot chichester, C H I C H E S is in Sam, T is in Tom, E R. Well, don't don't worry about copying that down. We'll put it in the in the show notes <laughs> for everybody because it's a it's a, a long long uh, long 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 yeah. weird word. It's actually spelled exactly the way it sounds. It but is John yeah. at tbaz.com. Um, and uh, you, I guess you'll have my contact information. There yeah, as we'll well. put it all in in the show notes so everybody can get it there. Uh, well, and, and and the other thing to note is that while I'm in Arizona, I do work in about thirteen or fourteen other states. I'm licensed in other states. I have clients all all over the country. Um, I travel to see them. I do a lot of, of uh, I'll say, phone and, and Skype type planning with people. As long as you can see people and you can understand, you don't necessarily have to be in the same room, yeah. which is the biggest thing that I've learned. But yeah, I mean, I, I will go wherever the business is. So if anybody's interested in speaking, I'd be happy to have a conversation. Awesome. And congratulations on the sale. Huge accomplishment and um, so happy for you. Thanks for being a guest today. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.